Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 29th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. The Federal Trade Commission sued SureScripts, alleging that the company illegally used restraints in an effort to maintain its monopolies over two electronic prescribing or e-prescribing markets, routing and eligibility. The FTC's complaint is the latest example of the agency's commitment to stopping anti-competitive tactics in the healthcare industry that raise the cost of care. Last February, the FTC reached a settlement with Teva Pharmaceuticals, barring that company from engaging in reverse payment patent settlement agreements that block consumers' access to lower-priced generic drugs. And last month, the commission barred another pharmaceutical company, Impacts Laboratories, from entering into reverse payment patent settlements after concluding that Impacts used its this tactic to block consumers' access to a generic version of the extended-release opioid pain reliever Opana ER. And in a record court victory for the commission last year, a federal court ordered another pharmaceutical company, AbV, to pay $448 million to consumers who overpaid for a testosterone replacement drug because of its illegal tactics to maintain its monopoly over the drug. In the new complaint filed against SureScripts, the FTC is seeking to undo and prevent SureScripts' unfair methods of competition, restore competition, and provide monetary redress to consumers. The FTC alleges that SureScripts intentionally set out to keep e-prescription routing and eligibility customers on both sides of each market from using additional platforms. This practice is known as multi-homing. They are also accused of using anti-competitive exclusivity agreements, threats, and other exclusionary tactics. Also in the news, two more drug makers resolved kickback charges for $125 million. Estrella's Pharma U.S. Incorporated and Amgen Incorporated have agreed to pay a total of $124.75 million to resolve allegations that they violated the False Claims Act by illegally paying the Medicare co-pays for their own high-priced drugs. Amgen is the world's largest independent biotechnology company, and Estellas Pharma Incorporated is a leading Tokyo-based global pharmaceutical company. The two companies first announced an alliance back in 2013. According to the allegations, Estellas and Amgen conspired with two co-pay foundations to create funds that functioned almost exclusively to benefit patients taking Estellas and Amgen drugs. As a result, the company's payments to the foundations were not donations, but rather were kickbacks that undermined the structure of the Medicare program and illegally subsidized the high cost of companies' drugs at the expense of American taxpayers. Amgen and Estrellas each entered five-year corporate integrity agreements with 
as part of their respective settlements. To date, the Department of Justice has collected over $840 million from eight pharmaceutical companies that allegedly used third-party foundations as kickback vehicles. Labor Code 5814.5 provides for payment of an applicant's attorney fee to enforce an award. However, a new WCAB panel decision emphasized that the attorney fee provision requires a specific prior award. Here's what happened in the case of Pena versus Agua Systems. Miguel Pena claimed an injury to the head, neck, back, shoulders, and his psyche. The employer disputed injury to his psyche, but not to the other claimed injuries. An award then found Mr. Pena needed future medical care, but did not decide AOE-COE to his psyche. Later, a psychological PQME found the psychiatric claim was industrially based and recommendations were made for treatment. Pena requested authorization for treatment, and the employer responded by asking if there had been an RFA for the treatment. But in response, applicant filed a DOR to proceed on the issue of treatment for his psyche, as well as a petition for penalties under Section 5814 and for attorney fees under Labor Code 5814.5. The issues at trial also included injury AOE-COE to his psyche, which had not been previously determined. The work comp judge found an unreasonable delay in authorizing medical care and assessed a 25% penalty of the first visit, and also found that applicant's attorney was entitled to attorney fees under 5814.5. However, the FNA did not contain a finding of fact regarding injury AOE-COE to his psyche. After reconsideration, a WCAB panel agreed with the penalty, but a split panel disagreed with the attorney fee award. Attorney fees under 5814.5 are only permissible where applicant has incurred fees in specifically enforcing a prior award. That did not occur here. There was no prior award for treatment to his psyche at the time of trial. In other words, the second trial was not conducted to enforce a prior award, so there can be no award for attorney fees under Section 5814.5. And now our crime report. Criminal charges have been filed against Rochester Drug Cooperative Incorporated, That's known as RDC. It's one of the 10 largest pharmaceutical distributors in the United States. And charges were also filed against Lawrence F. Dowd III, the company's former chief executive officer, and William Petruszewski, the company's former chief compliance officer, for unlawfully distributing oxycodone and fentanyl and conspiring to defraud the DEA. This prosecution is the first of its kind where executives of a pharmaceutical distributor and the distributor itself have been charged with drug trafficking. Prosecutors also filed a lawsuit against the company for its knowing failure to comply with its legal obligation to report thousands of suspicious orders of controlled substances to the DEA. 
An agreement and consent decree was announced under which the company agreed to accept responsibility for its conduct and pay a $20 million penalty, reform and enhance its Controlled Substances Act compliance program, and submit to supervision by an independent monitor. The company took steps to conceal its illicit distribution of controlled substances from the DEA and other law enforcement authorities, and the company admitted that it made the deliberate decision not to investigate, monitor, or report to the DEA pharmacy customers that it knew were diverting controlled substances for illegitimate use. But criminal charges against the corporate officers are still pending. A Madeira pharmacist and two others were arrested in connection with a conspiracy to distribute oxycodone and hydrocodone. A federal grand jury returned a 42-count indictment charging 44-year-old Ethanyai Vincent Nagutku, who is a Fresno pharmacist, with one count of conspiracy to distribute and possess, with intent to distribute controlled substances, and 17 counts of distribution of those controlled substances. Also, 38-year-old Kella White and Donald Ray Pierre, both from Fresno, were also charged with similar offenses. Nugutko owned and operated New Life Pharmacy in Madeira. He allegedly filled fraudulent prescriptions for oxycodone and hydrocodone, Schedule II controlled substances, and then dispensed the controlled substances to Mr. White and Pierre. If convicted, each face a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in prison and a $1 million fine in connection with the drug charges. And a federal grand jury also returned an eight-count indictment against 45-year-old Orlando Gillum of Fresno. He was charged with mail fraud for a scheme that defrauded insurance carriers. Gillum is the founder and CEO of Dunamis Incorporated, which is a group home and a nonprofit that provided services that included alcohol and drug treatment and counseling. Gillum allegedly falsely billed insurers hundreds of thousands of dollars for mental health treatment and group and individual psychotherapy purportedly rendered to multiple individuals. But those individuals did not receive the services billed, and several were not Dunamis clients. If convicted, Gillum faces a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. And in medical news, injured workers and others have become addicted to opioid medications, which can easily lead to an overdose death. Naloxone treatment is now a safety strategy to hopefully avoid this deadly consequence. It has become more available and less expensive as an option for those on this medication. Now the Food and Drug Administration granted final approval of the first generic naloxone nasal spray, commonly known as Narcan. The agency is also planning new steps to prioritize the review of additional generic drug applications for products intended to treat opioid overdose. 
along with the previously announced action to help facilitate an over-the-counter naloxone product. This approval is the first generic naloxone nasal spray for use in a community setting by individuals without medical training. However, generic injectable naloxone products have been available for years in use in healthcare settings. The FDA also has previously approved a brand name naloxone nasal spray and an auto injector for use by those without medical training. Naloxone nasal spray does not require assembly and delivers a consistent measured dose when used as directed. This product can be used for adults or children and is easily administered by anyone, even those without medical training. The drugger is sprayed into one nostril while the patient is lying on his or her back and can be repeated if necessary. And in other industry news, the Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau has released its early indicators of high-risk opioid use and potential alternative treatments study report. The study compares characteristics of claims involving high levels of opioid use to claims with similar injury mix and injured worker age that involved only a lower dose of opioids. Since 2012, it says the use of opioids has significantly and continuously declined in the California workers' compensation system. The share of claims with at least one opioid prescription 12 months after the injury decreased from 42% of all claims that had any drug prescription at the same time frame in 2013 to 20% in 2017. In 2017, the average cost of opioid prescriptions per 100 claims was down by almost 80% from 2013. The precipitous reduction in opioid prescriptions has contributed to a lower level of overall pharmaceutical use in the workers' comp system. The downward trend of opioid prescriptions may be leading to a shift in the patterns of medical treatment for injured workers. This potential shift could also result in more utilization of alternative measures in place of high levels of opioid use. Therefore, early identification of injured workers who may be using high doses of opioids and thus experiencing more adverse effects of opioids could facilitate early provisions of alternative treatments. The full study report is available in the research section of the WCIRB website. And in regulatory news, an employer's experience modification rating, also called an EMOD or EMR, is determined by dividing a company's actual workers' comp claim losses by the expected losses for the company's specific occupations. The EMOD plays a vital role in determining the premium a company pays, but the state of California and other public authorities, major utilities, private project owners, and prime contractors have used the rating as a one-size-fits-all way to gauge a contractor's safety record. Three consecutive years of EMODs are usually considered, excluding the most recent year. Some treat a company with one EMODs blip as a contracting untouchable. 
However, the National Council on Compensation Insurance, known as NCCI, which is the insurer-owned workers' comp rate-making entity covering most states, added to its published material a boilerplate disclaimer against using EMODs to pre-qualify employers for contract work. This new language is designed to raise awareness on the important topic and to reinforce the intended purpose of an experience rating worksheet. NCCI suggests using the rate only to adjust the premium, and they say it's not appropriate to use EMODs to compare the relative safety of employers. A more recent comprehensive evaluation of safety performance usually includes other data and information. This would be things such as the reason for the higher EMOD, the style of the safety program, qualifications of the safety managers, or OSHA data. But changing the deeply entrenched practice of using EMODs to pre-qualify contractors may not be that easy. Insurance brokers report that smaller contractors are the biggest losers in the EMOD equals safety mindset, and fewer hours worked maximizes the effect of a single claim. And in other financial news, travelers' quarterly profit beat analyst estimates as improved underwriting and lower catastrophe losses offset a decline in net investment income. Travelers is considered a bellwether for the insurance industry. The company said net written premiums rose 3% to $7.06 billion in the first quarter with growth across all business lines. However, travelers raised premium rates for auto insurance in the first quarter, helping to contribute a 6% rise in gross written premiums. But this did not lead to a drop in renewal rates and retentions. Catastrophe losses net of reinsurance fell by $161 million to $193 million after wildfires and hurricanes dented its earnings over the past two years. The company reported a combined ratio of 93.7% compared to 95.5% a year earlier. A ratio below 100% means the insurer earns more in premiums than it pays out in claims. However, a weak spot was net investment income, which fell 3.5% to $582 million due to lower private equity returns. Insurers typically invest money they get from premiums in bonds and equities to earn profits, and a downturn in market spells bad news for them. So that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts, and our special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for the Workers' Compensation News on Amazon. Again, I'm Renee Foltz with Lloyd Scarin Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.